Hey everybody, this is Rob for the House of X Book Club, and tonight we are doing part two of the House of X Book Club, House of X Book Club's annual number one. Um, our last episode, we recorded for two hours, and our show's only an hour long, so joining us currently in progress, part two. So, but anyway, um, this all brings me to the next question, and uh, we can go ahead and start with, with uh, I guess, with, with Drew, yeah? Um, what's your favorite storyline in, in all that we've read so far? Hmm. You know, if it wasn't for the damn ending, I would have said the Factor 3 storyline, because, like, the build-up to that, it was probably a good year worth yeah. of build-up in real time you know as far as when the issues were published because he just kept talking about it and talking about it and trying to build up his team and yeah and and everything but the the end to that was just so terrible that i can't in good consciousness say that but i mean honestly the the storyline that we're reading right now with lorna dane is probably the best that we've read but maybe that's just recency bias i but Honestly, I, I think it's true. I think it's 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 got everything. It ha it has some character development. It's got I mean Magneto's back. We we just found that out at the end of the last issue we read. It's kind of got a little bit of everything, and the art has been spectacular. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the art really puts that story over the top. Don't put the cart yeah. before the horse, though, guys. Yeah, so I, I think, think we're all going to agree on that one, but still. <laughs> I mean, as as far as storylines go, Frankenstein—that's my favorite one. There's, I mean, the, the, some of the one-offs have been really good, and I've I've ranted and raved about the Locust story. I yeah. love that story. Well, the Locust and was fun. There was that is, that issue where they went, you know, into the—I don't remember why—but when they went to the desert and they were fighting those cowboys, that was fun. <laughs> the Dude Ranch. <laughs> but as, as far as an actual story arc goes. It's got to be the any any of the more recent ones, honestly. Like they, there really wasn't any storylines mm -hmm. before that. Even the Sentinels storyline only was what two issues, three issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. wasn't wasn't really an arc. Well, that was uh, yeah, but, that, and that was the first sign of any arc was that three yeah. issue story. Yeah, and I, I, part of that was because they were kind of writing as though every month was a whole new batch of readers. Right, mm -hmm. it exactly. Was, it wasn't written as like, oh, you know, we're going to be able to do this because they're going to come to the comic book store every yeah. month. Because I remember even in the, the, the late 80s and very early 90s, um, like when, once I got Rob reading the X-Men and he started like buying issues, there were, there were two places that we would go here in Oakdale to buy them. And then they were at opposite ends of the town. There's that, and we just drove by it. Now it's like a little uh, supermercado. And then there was the little um, gas and this little stop and rob down yeah, at yeah. the other end of town. Yeah. And so they would, it was not consistent. Like we would, you would buy, you, I remember we went in there once and Rob bought like something that was like the middle of Inferno. And then we went back a couple minutes later, a couple weeks later and it was books that were from six months before. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, they oh, they had just found them in the back and forgotten to put them out when they were new. And so Rob filled in back issues for like a buck. Yeah, yeah. And of course, that's when comics were twenty five cents, seventy five cents, and a dollar. Yeah. yeah. So and so it was just yeah. They it was so I can't imagine that like in the sixties, if that was what it was like in the late eighties, early nineties. I can't remember. I can't imagine what the consistency was at the newsstand 
on that little spinner rack in 1965. The interesting thing about the Sentinels story arc, though, was that included the bit about Trask basically kind of saving the world, right? You know, like preventing the, the Sentinels from doing their thing and nobody knowing about it. Only the readers, right? Only Trask and the readers know. And that was unusual because a lot of times it was sort of like narration and the and the characters themselves telling you what was going on, mm-hmm. either mm-hmm. by dialogue or, or whatever. And it was unusual for you to see action that the characters were doing like in this way. I don't know. It, it struck me as unusual. It struck me as an unusual way to tell the story. They usually didn't like show you action in this way where it was like oh we're showing you a piece like a secret a piece of the action that no one knows the the other thing with that story too was the the way the kit that the character of trask changed is you know when he was the anti-mutant guy it was the nice suit the well coiffed hair and he looked like gavin newsom going out to french laundry (laughs) in the middle of covid and then, um, and then, like he like realized the error of his ways, and he just looked like a homeless guy who had just smoked seven packs of cigarettes. And mm-hmm. I was and just like the the attempt the uh, while probably not successful, the attempt at showing the anguish mm-hmm. that from realizing the massive mistake that he made it was like i said while it was not n- might not have been successful it was definitely commendable mm-hmm. very much so well yeah. so so if, <laughs> if if we get back to it does that drew is saying that your your favorite storyline is the one that we're currently going through right the lorna dane magneto storyline yeah and i i think the sentinel storyline would be up there if it wasn't for the fact that they just changed you know, characterizations of everybody yeah. and, what, yeah, and, and the yeah. stakes in the middle of it. And that just has to do with it being a new book, I think. Right on. All right. How about you, Shane? Well, I mean, I, again, I'm, I'm kind of with, with Drew on the current storyline, but I also, um, it's again, I, I do think that it's the art that's kind of leading the charge on that storyline. Uh-huh. Just like, Every time you open it up and you're like, holy crap, this is so pretty. Yeah. Look at this base. There has never been anything like this in an X book. Yeah. But if, if, uh, barring that one, I would say probably, honestly, the Cool Cool Con. Oh. I, I really dug that one. Don't look at me that way, Roger. <laughs> no, don't you, was, don't you judge me. I thought that, I mean, like, uh, there were all all of the stories that we've read up to this point had flaws, and yeah, sure. I will say, you know, there was uh, always something that I was like, eh, I don't buy it. But I, I felt like that story; it was fun. You know, the way the character do, the the character got his powers, and it just all of it was was really interesting. I felt I felt that it it kind of captivated me. Yeah, I'll agree with you that it was a lot of fun. Um, and we got to see a character that transformed in the middle of that story. Like the first part of the story, he's, well, I mean, he's Just not a, a dude. He's a guy. Yeah. You know, and then he transforms with the power of a god. And, and it was kind of cool to yeah. see all that and see what he did with his powers. Yeah. I mean, and like we said, we've, we've talked about, you know, the, the, uh, the, the writing and stuff like that and not like there was like, 
he had guys with him that he didn't trust and was like, man, if these guys knew I had this thing of beef jerky in my back pocket, they would kill me in a second. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. um, and you know, that like what, you know, that kind of character is different from anything that they had done before. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, and then him becoming this other character and those other two guys kind of fell by the wayside. Oh, and, sure. And so it just like, you know, him ascending to power, you know, from going from having to work with people that he knew was going to kill him and then becoming this all powerful character that is just through his natural, through his being is attracting these people to come and rebuild an ancient civilization. I, I found it really fascinating. Right on. So how about you, Raj? What's your favorite storyline? <laughs> how do I follow that? Um, the current one with Lorna Dane yeah. is my favorite so far. I did like... Shane pointed out some good things about the Kukul Khan story that I guess maybe I hadn't considered. Maybe I was a bit too judgmental of it because I was worried. When I started reading it, I'm like, this is going to go racist really quick. And it <laughs> kind of sort of did. Well, I mean, I think we meant, we talked about that when it came out. It was like when they when they drew him as as yellow. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, well, well, let's consider also that he had power of the sun with yeah. him. But yeah. yeah, it was like just on the cover, you know, it was yeah. like, he, here's another yellow guy. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, is, yeah. This is going to yeah, yeah. be the... That's a fair point. I, I don't know if I to told you guys this, but I recently read an issue of Kazar, like Kazar number two, I think, mm -hmm. from the early 1970s. Um, and El Tigre comes back. <laughs> and he's just El Tigre. He's a normal guy. Um, I don't know if that was a reprint of a story or, or how it fits into continuity. I should check that out, but he didn't have his godlike powers and he wasn't dead. And if I remember correctly, Kukul Khan died. Yeah. Didn't he, didn't he die at the end? And they, I cannot remember. I don't remember. Yeah. I, I feel like he, I mean, it was, it's kind of one of those nebulous. It wasn't as definitive as a, all right, don't do this again. And then the bad guy walks off into the sunset. Yeah. But I feel it was a little bit more of a nebulous ending. Like it's he could be dead, but they don't say, "Oh, look at that, he did." Yeah, I just <laughs> felt like his when yeah. his temple blew up, he died. Um. Anyway, well, my yeah, getting back to it, my my favorite story so far, for a variety of reasons, which I'll elucidate later. But uh, issues fifteen, fifty one, right on. Forty nine was iffy. The first part of that story was a little. But fifteen fifty one kind of took it in interesting yeah. direction. Yeah. Is so, it because I, is it because of the art, or do you feel that the story is it is because Lorna Dane didn't have green hair? <laughs> well, <laughs> no, it was just so it was so strange. Like, okay, they introduced the cons. Okay, well, well, here here we go. They introduced the idea of latent mutants. Right. This so is the first yeah. time. So mutants with no powers. The first time we've heard know. that, right? First ever time we've yeah. latent mutancy, right? So there's that. That was the number one thing I liked. Because they're, they're expanding the whole, like, what is a mutant? How do we define what a mutant is? Do they always have to have powers? When do they get their powers? You know, who knows? And, he, and, and they were being called to, and they were like, somehow, only the mutants were answering this call, which, again, 
we don't know how that works, but the, you know, it's comic books, right? High wave radio frequencies. Well, yeah, magnetism. So, <laughs> yeah, baby. right. Um, but <laughs> but so the first part of it, I'm. It's like, yeah, I don't know. But then uh, they revealed Lorna Dane. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! She's Magneto's daughter. Somehow we don't. Wait, what? <laughs> we don't entirely know, but it, that's that's the claim. Is it? Magneto's uh, bullshitting, and is it you know another one of his master plans? Yeah, turns out she is. I guess his daughter. At least at that point, she was his daughter. Is she still in current continuity? It, it's been retconned a couple times. It was retconned that she wasn't his daughter. It has then been again retconned that well, she was his daughter. Currently in continuity, yes. Okay. Yeah, currently he's she's the only child. Okay, because she does have magnetic powers in the book. Oh yeah. yeah. Currently, so, she even has a costume that looks like his. Oh, yeah, really? that's dope as hell. Yeah, really. It's green, but it, she's got the helmet yeah, and everything. She put yeah. that thing on. I was like, "Fuck yeah!" <laughs> <laughs> Is she still called Polaris? Yes, and yeah. she take no shit from nobody. Yeah, she's always been that kind of character too, which I've always kind of liked. Yeah. But um, no, I, fifty and fifty-one are my favorite. Cool. Right on. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hey, Rowan. That is an awesome costume. Yeah. Yes. How about you? Well, I'm. I'm actually. I like where we are in the reading and i i think these stories are stronger than a, a lot of the stories have been and number 50 has the best cover it is the best cover jim of Stranko. all the covers yeah. love jim stranko it love is him. just it's the most beautiful it's just a beautiful cover of i've, I've any said comic it before period. i'll say it again it's i respect the man <laughs> <laughs> and i like his artwork yeah baby that's awesome but i mean it's it's just a gorgeous cover period and then it's just of all the covers that we've looked at it's just the best one mm -hmm. yeah. yeah it's just the best one i think it's the only cover that actually made me stop and like be like wow because usually i just blow through the cover because they're not yeah necessary. i mean sometimes they're kind of neat but yeah honestly know. i don't really look at the covers until rob's like on this cover and i go back and look at the cover while right. we're recording yeah <laughs> but yeah. this one really really right. drew me in um right. you know Steranko did captain america for a while and they brought him in and it was at a time where and, and this is something i read out of the book uh that i'm i'm, I'm reading now um but marvel was like do whatever you want you know, Marvel was, I think they were hurting for sales. They're like, you want to be drastic and, and, and change things? Go for it. Do whatever you want. And Stranko yeah. was doing the art for Captain America, and he was writing the book. And he, he was like, cool, can I kill him? And, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, go for it, whatever. He killed Captain America, I think, in issue 111 or 112. 111, I believe it was. 111. And the cover is so James Bond, and yeah. it's... Again, you know, you've got like the Hydra agent with all the arms. You've got Captain America standing on, yeah. you know, the, in this. Oh, it was just beautiful. Um, well, that's how Nick Fury was. Yeah. Well, he did Nick Fury too. Yeah. That was so, his. Well, yep. there you go. Yeah. So, so he was a a shaker. You know, he shook things up. He moved, he moved things around. He kind of rocked people. So him on this storyline, just doing the artwork, is awesome. Uh, on top of that, Arnold Drake's. Excuse me, um, Arnold Drake's writing yeah. is just really cool. Right. No, it's a beautiful book, and the story's really good, and so far seems to be the, the strongest. I so also, compelling, yeah. I, I really enjoyed, um, I, I remember, it was still very much in the style of early X-Men, um, but I, I remember it being stri striking in its way was, um, I think it's number six. It's the one where Namor shows up. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Um 
or where they do the astral projection and <laughs> walk, walk down the, below the right scene. and uh xavier does and um trying to get to Namor first. Why the, he chose to walk in his astral form is beyond me. Why but, not swim? Right. And um, that's the one where Magneto's like, oh, make him join. And then yeah. sees Namor mad and goes, I'll come back later. <laughs> he's, he's mad. But, you know, that's where Namor doesn't like the way Magneto treats the Scarlet Witch, mm-hmm. you know? And here, here uh, gives, him, gives him yeah. what for about it. Yeah, and, so uh, Mariner yeah, had like a, a distinct set of values in that book. And, right. And, and then, He's never wavered, I don't think. I think that that was my favorite, one of my favorite things about the the, the podcast. Like, <laughs> when you were talking about that, Holman is like, yeah, well, I yell at bitches. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I, mean, I guess you're not on my team. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> nice. So um, that was one I really enjoyed. Very cool. Well, I'm going to go along with everybody else. My favorite storyline is the uh, the current one that we're reading. Um, I like the idea of a city of mutants. It's It's been like a three-part story, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the scope of it is rather large because you've got – you don't even see Magneto for the beginning of nope. it. It's, it's Mesmero. Yep. who's introduced yeah. and we're like Mesmero who's this guy and he's controlling an army of mutants we don't even know what these mutants do we don't know what their powers we are we don't actually know that they're mutants I, I suspect they're robots but we'll see yeah, what happens that was what I thought um, but you know they're supposed to be mutants we don't know what their powers are they talk about having mutant energy mutant powers it's a whole city full and it's 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 someplace in the midwest if I remember correctly it's like but he has a city of mutants and and they all praise Magneto and of course we're thinking well Magneto's dead but Magneto shows up and there's the whole mutant latency thing there's the whole this is my daughter and then there's Bobby Drake going we gotta save her yeah, yeah. well she doesn't want to be saved Bobby and it's like holy crap this the writing is awesome and of course uh, you know Stranko did an issue uh, or two and uh, the art is cool but even when he wasn't doing the artwork, I think it was still some of the better art that we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now is... I have a question. Mm. Okay. Is this the best story that we've read so far? Or is that post traumatic stress from Factor Three? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> the answer is yes. Um Yeah, both of them yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I feel like that. That like factor three is like the that smelly weird crap at the bottom of the trash can after you've dumped it out. And then like I said, just the art on this book lifts it up so much. It's just uh, you can hear the choir go, Ah Well, I, I think that that's a good reason for to consider it the best story so far. If they could yeah, if they can recover from factor three with this story, that's fair. If they can cut recover from Frankenstein and and grotesque, grotesque. yeah, dude. I, I think, Frankenstein too, Franken yeah. harder. <laughs> I think, and, and even grotesque had some really cool elements in it. Um, but I think if they can recover from that, then it's it's really awesome. Now the the sad thing is, is I find myself liking these later issues more and more. Yeah. Um, and isn't it weird because that's the stuff that people have been like, oh, you can skip that. How could you have skipped issue 50? Yeah. That was, I mean, 
just for well, you art, could, art. you could, but you'd be missing out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just I mean, because just for artwork slog. alone. I mean, well, I yeah. I still think how could you miss the final issue of the grotesque story because that's where Professor Xavier dies. Now, when I was a kid and I was reading in 1989 the X Men and there was no Xavier around, right? I'm like. What happened to Xavier? Well, he's in space. Oh, and then there was that time yeah. he died. Wait, what happened when he died? He died? How'd he die? Yeah. And and so I I had to go back and read it, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that you that's one of those moments. Maybe not the issue itself, but it's important, I think, to go back and see that moment happen. That's fair. You know? I mean, people like Ed Piscor, right? Uh, Ed Piscor is really good at gathering those moments he is. Yeah. and putting them in a in a narrative. Well, and not only that, but reading between the lines and kind of like saying and stopping and thinking, what would this really mean? Like with yeah, Gene or how and Ted, or how yeah. cool cool would it be if yeah, this tied in to the Dark Phoenix saga? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He really created a good thread. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. I think the the again, I think we talked about this before. I don't think the intent was there to connect things like Ed did. But the seeds and the potential were obviously there, and he just took it and ran with it. And he yeah, makes such a better narrative by Absolutely. doing that. Yep. Yeah. It makes so much more sense. And it's like, am I just sucking as a reader that I can't use enough brain power to connect the dots and do this for myself? Or does it take somebody else with the ability that Ed has to do that? He yeah. redeemed Factor 3. Yeah, thank yep. you, thank you, Ed Piscor. Yeah, we really appreciate <laughs> yeah. you, man. Um, and do, do not think that we are not considering you as part of you know the great X Men canon because I I, I have yeah. just yeah you've added so much to our experience. Well, yeah, I mean, I would have I would have said that that was my favorite Ed um, story that we've read, but I I was like, well, it kind of falls outside of what we've done. Yeah, I've made it part of the canon in my head. <laughs> Well, I, well, not only that, but it's not like it covered kind. Of, it's not like a story arc. It is just like an overarching yeah. review. Yeah, true enough. It is. It is. Uh, um, I think we talked about this comic or magazine before, Marvel Saga. Yeah, which covered like the history of the Marvel universe. I think. That, yeah. Uh, this is just like next level, though. Yeah, it's next just... level Marvel Saga. So, did everybody answer? Drew, you answered that one, right? What What's your favorite yeah. story arc? Yes. Okay. The current one. Um, and Shane did as well. Yeah. Okay, everybody's covered that. So let's talk about favorite writers and artists. What do you think, Shane? Who who who's your favorite? It doesn't even have to be a team. If you mm-hmm. like a favorite writer but didn't care for his his artist, tell me who the writer is and then tell me who your favorite artist is. Okay. Um my answer is going to surprise everybody. Oh boy. My favorite my favorite Kirby. writer was Stan Lee. Nice. Not and I don't I don't necessarily I uh, say I don't think that he is the best writer on the book, but his vision and his ability to craft this universe can't be understated. I, I and we've talked about I've I've mentioned this before. His vision still is what drives Marvel Comics today. Um, and saw them through a number of. Pretty lean years. Pretty lean years and some dark times. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that I think that holding true to that vision and keeping to what the Marvel comics meant that made it different and stand out 
has what has kept it at number one as the number one comic book company for so long. Yeah. I mean, you can say that, yeah, well, they've got more books coming out every week, which is partially true. But I think that a lot of those books don't have the sales. Like if you look at the current books, one of the one of my favorite books right now got canceled after five issues in Avengers Inc. by. Oh, um um, Ewing. Yeah. God, uh, what a great story too. What a great, I only read the first issue and I thought it was amazing. Yeah. And it's just like the, 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 the books aren't given the time to gestate that they used to, they have to be a hit right off the bat, but, and Marvel tries with a lot of books and they do, they do have a lot of books come out. They make more money, but I mean, to the other side of that, there's not a lot of effort being put in by other people. Yes. You can complain that Marvel has a lot of books come out. However, so let's say that Marvel had 20 books come out one week. Um, I don't know if it, that's the exact number, but it was about 20. That same week, DC had 12 books come out. Would you like to guess which character all 12 of those books revolved around in some way? Batman. Yep. Why would I buy 12 books about Batman? Because Batman's awesome. <laughs> Uh, yes, I'll be is. honest, I'll admit that there was a time where I bought Detective Comics, Batman, and Dude. And and the Dark Knight. What was the name of that series? You remember the one that came out? Yeah. The I think it was just called The Dark Knight. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It had it had the number one with, with different colored but let's, covers. Let's all let's all admit our complacency here. I we've all bought the six or seven X Men books that would come out in one week. Yeah. But I mean yeah, but this was just this was like it was like those are like that 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 was their whole publishing slate. Oh no! Like I, yeah. there would be six X books, but you could also pick up a Spider Man and yeah. a Star Wars yeah. and a and a Fantastic Four. You could buy Alf. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you could buy Bill and Ted's <laughs> bogus comic book. The Muppet Babies. Can you can you cut off his <laughs> mic? <laughs> <laughs> but what I, what I'm saying is is that they at least offered variety. Yeah, I don't. I would agree. You know, there's they they offered a part of the reason like, like yeah. As purist, purist looking from an artist's perspective, you want to get more eyes on your product. So right. by having a wider variety of product, it appeals to more of an audience. And you at least, you know, maybe something will catch. I'm not, and I'm not saying that I necessarily agree with they need to have 20 books out a week. And I don't, you know, I don't buy everything that Marvel puts out. Right. But, um, and the Avengers Inc. was, you know, I was one of the few stories I would put up there as one of the best that I've been reading. Oh, my God. It was so good. But it's it's great. Um, and I just think that, you know, comparing, you know, the, the two side by side is I'd much rather have more books with a wider variety than 12 Batman books. There you go. Okay. Yeah, cool. That's fair. I, I can't disagree with that. Um, and so my favorite artist, mm -hmm. that's tough. Out of everything we read, because I'm like, well, was it uh, Bashima? Was it um, John Romita Sr.? Because the, that we did read those. They're not technically X books, yeah. but we did read them. But yeah, um, I do have. I think I have to go with Steranko. Yeah. That was. It's just so different. Dynamic. Anything else? Dynamic and exciting and vibrant. And just, <laughs> look at this. I'm, I, no one can see this because you can't see us. But page three of issue fifty-one, very bottom, you have very dynamic artwork of Cyclops for once being a man, 
and punching the shit out of Magneto. <laughs> and Homeboy goes down. Yeah, he hits him. And Magneto's it, got a glass jaw, by the way. And before the the one thing that <laughs> like, like a bitch. Look, look at that. The one the one thing that um that was always the drawback when they tried to do that forced perspective. Yeah. With with Cyclops throwing the punch and his fist is getting bigger. A lot of the previous artists, be it Jack Kirby, like I said, John Romita Sr., um, Bashima, it was all, it all they wound up making it do, and it not necessarily couldn't necessarily not necessarily be the artist. It might be the inker. I yeah. you know I don't know, um, but it looked like oh well now Cyclops's arm looks like it's an extra foot longer than it was in the previous yeah. panel, <laughs> yeah. or it just looks like the beast has a large fist <laughs> instead of yeah. instead of him it being closer to yeah. the front of the panel. Well, that's the one thing I like about Stranko's art is it's a lot more. Uh, the the anatomy is a lot more realistic. You can it's vibrating from the energy that it's yeah. putting off. Yeah, yeah. Right on. Well, how how about you, Raj? Who's your favorite writer and art, writer and artist? I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback on what he said. Stan Lee, as uh, problematic as he is, and as much as we've dogged on him, and I, you know, we have. He did create the X Men, and he wrote the first Sentinel story. Yeah, he laid the groundwork. It's, yeah. we're still reading these books now. That's true. Yeah, he didn't understand women. Yeah, he didn't understand a lot of things. Yeah, he <laughs> never talked to the people ball here and dropped the you ball. You know, I, I, I have. Uh, I think I should probably. I don't know. Uh, I've I said some things. You know, I have been reading these books for a long time, and I'm like, when does the first person of color show up? Good grief! Why not represent yeah. them? But I want to say also. Stanley, Jack Kirby, yeah, are, are are Jewish, right? Yeah, and these books were written in 1963 right. and up, and these guys remember World War II. Yeah, they know the Holocaust. Yeah, they have been through some shit. Mm-hmm. You know, if not personally, perhaps they've known they know, people they've are related family. to people who. Yeah, yeah, and so to not. Say, to say that they don't represent, um, like underrepresented, you know, population or people yeah. is yeah. not true because because they I think are still trying to tell the story, um, of of the persecuted and the un, undesired type of people, and and they're not just coming out and saying it. Yeah, you know. So it, well, in my know, mind, the 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 X Men sure they don't represent, um, you know, people of color. They don't represent uh, the LGBTQ society, but maybe they represent, you know, the Jewish people and all the crap that they had to go through. Yeah. So, I think that that's pretty interesting. It's pretty compelling, and I it's it's something that for a while now I have been looking at. Is perhaps this is part of. Well, what you, Stan was saying. I don't. I don't under. If you, for the love of God, how can you live in New York and not see people of color? Yeah. Well, I understand yeah. that. Well, no, but I mean, I th- I feel that in that point, it might have been more of writing what you know. Well, what I was going to say is, I don't think they were allowed to show people of color. No, they, they weren't. And they, they weren't. weren't. Bingo. Because so, for example, um, if you go back the the Black Panther series when yeah. it came out, the I think it was um, issue twenty. Where um, there was, I can't. He went to like the south, 
and he interacted with the black community and they were like, oh, well, you need to put more white people in this book. So issue 21, he fought the KKK. (laughs) (laughs) Also, also at the beginning of his like at the beginning of his run, like his stint, not just his book, but yeah, because his first appearance was in Fantastic Four. Right. Um, His they (laughs) they for the longest time, people didn't know Black Panther was actually black. Yeah. He was, but he was wearing a black costume. But he didn't right. have, but he, he didn't was... have his face shown. And right, then there's right. a part where he's got a mask. You know, they actually that shows changed, the lower pass of it. They yeah. changed the artwork so that yeah. his face was covered. Um, well, there and it was face. It was, they changed the artwork so his face was uncovered. Uncovered. Sorry. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so at any rate, um, I still I think that Stan and Kirby were doing what they could. You know, yeah. they were using the tools that they had, the knowledge that they had to do kind of. Yeah what they were allowed. Yeah. I think sometimes it's our modern eyes too. Cause we're like, this is New York. We can be reactive. And, you know, <laughs> and these are, and you're, and to the, your point that you have like these two Jewish guys that are, who are bringing some of their sensibilities to, to these stories. Why would the book look this way to New Yorkers draw a book, you know, write and draw a book this way especially Jack Kirby, the kind of guy who'd roll up his sleeves and and march out to take on some white supremacists. He went downstairs you know? in the Marvel offices to fight Nazis. You know, yep. you know really I did. mean, why would that guy, you know, mm-hmm. write a book that would be that would look comparatively whitewashed when mm-hmm. it compared yeah. to the rest of New York? Like, yeah. why, you know, you'd think, why would that? And and I think it's because just because it's, it's just our eyes mm-hmm. yeah. on a on a different book. At the same time, they created Black Panther and yeah. and planted the seed for other people to take that idea and run with it and do the coolest shit, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So uh, I, I just think that, I, I think at the same time, it's there's nothing wrong with pointing that out and going weird, you know? <laughs> it's kind of weird. At the same time, it's, it's our eyes on an older book. Yeah. Well, like yeah. I said earlier, if we were to meet somebody or talk to somebody who... <laughs> Read these books when they were coming out. They could give us perspective that we don't have. So we know Stanley, your favorite artist. I, I'm saying Stanley because of what he did. Yeah. As a writer on his own, it would not be Stan. It would be. I can't remember the who wrote 50, issue fifty. Arnold Drake. Okay, it'd be probably Arnold Drake. Okay. But I mean, there's there are good issues all through. Everything that we've read. We've loved some of, yeah. And there have been some stinkers by the same authors. Yeah. And it's just like everyone has a good day. Yeah, everyone no one a bats a thousand. It, bingo. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's sometimes a story, maybe they have time to write it or the idea just gels. Yeah. It comes together and then other times you're like, well, that was a little off. By the way, that was a sports reference for all of you comic book nerds. Yeah. <laughs> as far as my uh, my artist, it's Starenko. I mean, I, you know. Yeah. Again, issue fifty one, page dy- four, the top artwork. Yeah, it's his art. I love the way he draws people. They're far more anatomically correct. You know, the proportions and everything. Mm-hmm. He's able to give a lot of detail, and his uh, compositions are just very dynamic. There's a lot of energy in them, and a lot of creativity, a lot of stuff right we haven't on. seen before. Right on. I feel like all of the trouble he caused really turned a corner and allowed an expansion of what the art in a comic book could well, be. 
actually, and that's very true. Yeah. It, when Starenko came in and did whatever the hell he wanted, it upset a lot of people. Stan. Like, like Bushima was able to draw. Um, his art style changed. His yeah, art style. Because the idea was you need to draw like Jack Kirby. Yeah. And when he was drawing, say, Silver Surfer and did it his way, Stan flipped out. Yep. He flipped the hell out. No, you have to draw like Kirby. Which makes me go, man, Stan was in love with Jack Kirby yeah, so much. And, and That's why know. he was so hurt when in the documentary when yeah. the the when they fell out. Like he didn't understand why Kirby couldn't see things his way. And it he was genuinely hurt because they had fallen out. Yeah. Yeah. So Rowan, hmm. who's your favorite writers and artist? That Drake guy. Arnold Drake. Arnold Drake. Mm-hmm. It's probably my favorite writer because I, I do feel like we're coming upon the strongest writing so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I I lean towards Steranko's art, um, but I have a special place in my heart for Werner Roth because I really I really like a lot of the panels that are sort of that romance comic style, especially of uh, faces and also some of the some of the first some of the first time that you see like distinct people and and when when Iceman starts to look distinct and stuff like that like seem to come about mm-hmm. with Werner Roth I really I really like I I really liked I, I like a lot of the I like a lot of the art that comes around with I I really like some of the that that sort of romance comic style um, art when it's just like that, those faces um, that, you know, that and, and they, they tend to be emotional and they tend to be, and they, they tend to just, they, I don't know. They, they, they speak to the time period really well to me. And I, and I, and I just, I tend to, I tend to dig them. And um, you're talking about who again? Werner Roth. Werner Roth. And that, and he was working quite a bit with Don Heck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I well, think they made a really strong team myself. Uh, yeah. I would agree with all of that. And yeah. I think that's a very good point, too, because <clears throat> I feel like the the superhero comic book it, um, represents kind of the second phase post-comics code. Yeah. And those romance comics, there was like the romance, they does the romance comics and cowboy comics and outer space comics. That was kind of the first step, but they were all very, they were all very conservative and very, had to very, you know, deal with very baseline emotions. And then Uh they start, as things started becoming more complex and then there was a decade where things, but like, you know, bringing that, that first phase over into that second phase, it, it created a through line and yet opened new doors to new possibilities in the comic books. Yeah. And I, I enjoy, I've, I've enjoyed where the art, where the art kind of shows up. Yeah. I guess there are, there are a lot of panels where it doesn't, but when it does, yeah, it's good. It's yeah. fun. It's yeah. fun to see that. Oh, mm-hmm. Scott, why don't you love me? <laughs> right. <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> Uh, right. that, that romance uh, angle was, I think, a nice addition. Now, romance comics were popular, of course. Yeah. And they were popular before superhero comics. Yeah. But to mix the two, I think, is kind of cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was the, the Spider-Man 
Gwen Stacy, Mary Jane thing, mm-hmm. Reed Richards and Sue Storm, mm-hmm. uh, the Wasp and uh, Giant Man. Yeah. There was there there was all romance in most of the books, mm-hmm. and I mean it it still carries through. Black Panther married Storm, mm-hmm. um, Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. That one is fascinating. Mm-hmm. They had a daughter, mm-hmm. and she turned purple for a while, and it oh, boy. freaked them the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> At least she was still breathing. Yeah, um, <laughs> no, it was. But I mean, you know, the the you can't. I mean. Here's the thing is that you can't always have action. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think if you think about it in like role playing game aspects, part of the most fun of role playing games is I mean, it's fun to go up and crit a monster and do 472 points of damage and have it die. But that that role play, that character development that everyone is doing and often on the fly that is the, the most fun part as, about doing those games. As a GM, it's never fun to me when somebody does that. <laughs> Kills the monster the in the first round. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, Drew, Drew. agrees. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so, Werner Roth, yeah. your favorite writer, your favorite artist would be. She said it was strength. Just, I lean Starenko. towards Stranko. Okay. Now, Drew, how about you, sir? Or did we? Um, yeah. You know, Steranko definitely by far has had the best art, but I know that he was only on two issues. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Don Heck for my favorite artist. Nice. Um, honestly, he, every, every, he's well, I never had yeah. any complaints. Yeah, he's well loved too. He is definitely a fan favorite. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just it was the most solid. It was consistent. It was it was a little. It was still Jack Kirby esque, but it wasn't Jack Kirby. You know, I it, everything about it was good. Nice. You know, so def, definitely him. And as for writer, I think you know Arnold Drake is his story has been fantastic. But same thing with Steranko. He just wasn't on it for very long. Like what yeah. five issues? Maybe I think. Maybe. So, yeah. Yeah, I. I'm going to go with Roy Thomas, nice. honestly, as my favorite writer. That's fantastic. Uh, but specifically, Roy Thomas, when it's clear that Stan Lee wasn't breathing down his neck. Yeah. And he wasn't trying to be Stan Lee. When Roy well, Thomas was writing as Roy Thomas and not Stan Jr. Yeah. It that's, was and that's been amazing. the limitation to the book the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. In issue, what is it, 52, when Barry Windsor Smith comes on mm-hmm. for that one issue? I'm looking at it now. It's It's... Same old typical artwork. It's not yeah. very Windsor Smith's art. It's no. not very it's Windsor Smith. Anyway. Well, it's it very took Smith. Barry Smith. Okay, yeah, it well. took him quite a while to develop that style. Too. I think I think 1970 when he started with Conan the Barbarian. Yep. Um, and then even then it wasn't quite right. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure it took. It, but my point is, it's Jack Kirby all the way. Yeah, you can see. Yeah, it. that I'm was sure a rule. It was a house rule. You had yeah. to draw like Kirby. Which is ridiculous. Which is why Franco was no longer on the book. Yeah. yeah. Well, I do wonder, I do, I do, I do have concerns when, you know, when I do criticize this stuff is that, man, I, I don't know that it's the artist. Maybe it's the inker. Maybe it's the combination of the artist and an inker that aren't gelling. Maybe it's the colorist. Maybe it's, and maybe, yeah. maybe it's the digitization that we're looking at. Yeah. There's so many factors that could be changing, contributing Perfect. To a dislike of the art because of a change that might not be the original early, intention of the Early in the artist. book club, we have certainly seen that be an issue, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So that's great. I love that Roy. I think Roy Thomas is a fantastic writer. He certainly wrote a bunch of books in here that I was like, I hated that story. You know, <laughs> a bunch of issues of the X Men yeah. that he wrote. I'm like, how? Yeah. How the hell? And I think you're right. If he's writing with Stan breathing down his neck, then he's giving us what Stan wants him to to write. He's not writing Roy Thomas, but Roy Thomas went on to write some really cool stuff. He went on to write. Conan the Barbarian. He went on to write Dracula. He went on to write, you know, um, Tomb of Dracula and a bu- the Avengers and a bunch of other really cool stuff. Um, I tell you, when they were given like free reign with Bashima and Thomas yeah. on Conan, oh yeah, the the just Thomas or uh, Bashima's art at Chain. I mean, all the guys like Jay Lee, Mark Tixiera, um, even Bill Sienkiewicz to a point. Oh, something to those Conan books. Yep. Those big, thick, heavy lines and lots of, lots of shadow was really kind of the, because even like, I mean, the Doctor Strange stuff with uh, Ditko was really good. But even like when they tried, when he tried to add that shadow, it looked like um, hash marks instead of actual shadow. Oh, but as a, as a kid, I couldn't wait to run down the street to the liquor store to buy Savage Sword of Conan. Um and you're right. There are scenes of Savage Sword of Conan where all you have in the foreground is a flame, and in the background you have a shadow of two men killing each other and a head flying across the room. You don't <laughs> yeah. see anything except for the fire and the shadow, but you know exactly what's happening there. Yep. And that is that is some cool shit. That's yeah. that's that's Bushima right there. Yep. With Roy Thomas writing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I I do. So and this is again. I like I said. I Stanley uh, contributions aside, I do feel like sometimes he dipped in, and I think I do think that he might have changed scripts. He might have changed stories. Uh, like, I one hundred percent think that's true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It actually, it actually is the truth. Um, coming from books that I've read. Yeah. And I wish I could name them right now, but my, my brain is not giving me that. It's just, you could, <laughs> well, you could, you could sense the change in feel mm-hmm. because yeah, it was, he wouldn't like something and he'd have somebody come in and change it. Yeah. Well, but as well, editor, he had the power to do that. Yeah. yeah. No. And I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't his prerogative. I'm just questioning whether it was the right thing to do. Yeah, I would okay. agree. So Drew, Drew's going to say Roy Thomas. And as artist, you're saying who again? Uh, Don Heck. Don Heck. Yeah, I think that's a really solid choice. Fantastic, man. Um, as far as me, I I want to say Steranko for artwork um, because I like the art style in the books that we're reading now. But my favorite artwork as far as... I got to say, I mean, I think he's the best artist for the book only two issues but my favorite art in the book are from stan lee books and one is fantastic four number 28 okay and it is one particular panel of professor x doubling over a desk with his hands kind of you know his he he looks like he's in anguish and this is because the puppet master is taking over his mind yeah this panel alone blew my mind Okay. The other one is the Vanisher. Okay, with the art the Vanisher is so whack looking. Um you you know he is like 
a crazy ass villain. Um, yeah, there's no mistaking. He has facial expressions that that in in like three panels where he's like in ang- it's when Xavier wipes his mind. Mm-hmm. He has no idea who he is, and he he goes from like rage to anguish to like fear because he knows suddenly. I don't even know where I am. <laughs> and and that art to me is amazing. And who was doing that art? That was Jack Kirby. And and I love that. I love that. So he had a different different inker though. Yeah, I don't recall at the moment who the inker yeah. was. But I mean it was it was that was that was so I have to, I have to admit I I had never noticed how important a role everyone plays in a comic book until we started doing this. I mean yeah. I mean, I had noticed before it was like, wow, when Wells Portacio was doing inks on Mark Silvestri's art, it was really good. Oh, man. It, ma- it made all the difference in the world. And then Wells Portacio, of course, became an artist. And then who else was it? Um, Art Thiebert. He did inks for... A little bit of everybody. He I did a little bit of Jim everybody. Lee. And then he kind of, when it came in, but I feel like it was like he made um, Greg Capullo's art really stand out yeah. and kind of helped catapult him to become the artist he is today. And just like a world renowned, he kind of left, he did Quasar and then he did a couple of X books for a while. Then he left and he did Spawn. Then he did Batman. And now he's coming back and doing Wolverine. Yeah. And he just became like a major artist. And I do think it was a, a large part thanks to Art Diebert's work on his and his pencils. Do you uh, do you remember when he was doing Quasar? How we were just all about that shit. I that mean, it made me want to buy that book. The, that was one yeah. of those books where the art was so good. I wanted to buy that. I had no interest in Quasar till Greg Capullo. I noticed Greg Capullo as the artist. And let's let's not, of course, downplay his contribution to the Batman universe. Um, he yeah, did no, have a little great, bit to do with like yeah. making that the only book in the New Fifty Two worth reading. Yeah, <laughs> Wonder Woman. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I want to say Stranko is my favorite artist, but I, I think overall the, the art that I have loved the most has been Jack Kirby and not all of it, but some of it I have just, you know, it's solidified in my brain as being some of the neatest, um, artwork on the X books, um, that we've read so far. Later, it'll be, you know, at some point it's Art Adams, at some point it's Jim Lee, at some point it's, you know. Alan Davis. Alan Davis. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, so, I just, I <laughs> Yeah, I cannot wait. I get all verklempt just thinking about when we get to Excalibur. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Going to love Excalibur. So, um, and as far as writers, I'm with with you on Arnold Drake. Um and I think, and there have been parts of Arnold Drake where I'm like, I'm not crazy about this. I feel like Beast isn't as wordy as he has been, um, or at least maybe he's maybe he's writing Beast a little more realistically, where Beast has that vocabulary, but why use it? You know, why mm-hmm. use it all the time? Um, but I like his character development. I like his storylines, um, and and for me, that's. I mean, that, that that's solid writing, you know. I certainly had a couple of complaints about it, but I think it's pretty solid writing overall. So, yeah, I mean, I, that's fair. I think, I mean, I like we've had issues with everything, and part of that is to kind of you know do a counterpoint because I, I for me, 
and I don't know. I, I mean, everyone has different reason ways they read this stuff, but I read this stuff and I've, I feel that there are a lot of people that kind of hold it as this, you know, sacred cow that you can't touch. And I'm like, Oh bullshit, Klaus. I am, I am all about crapping all over the stuff that I love and pointing out the things that the flaws, because I mean, the, the flaws are what are the most interesting story to me. It's like, yeah, yeah this is ridiculous, but like the, it's the flaw. It's the flaws in people that make me, that make them the most interesting. It's you, know, the, it's, yeah. you know, Shane, Roger and I are the same way. It's you should hear some of the stuff we say about you. <laughs> <laughs> you really should. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> um, and, and Shane, you've already answered this question, right? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, thanks, Drew. That's great. Um, we're Drew hasn't close. talked in 20 minutes, but thanks, yeah, Drew. He, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> um, so here's, a, here's something I, I think maybe we should start with Roger. Uh-oh. Um, so aside from your favorites about the books. Yeah. Okay. Yep, yep. I want to know if if there's something that surprised you about being in the House of X book club. What surprised you about this book club? How much random bullshit Shane can spew. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No. Um, you don't like it when I tell a whole story in 30 seconds? <laughs> There was a guy and he went to the store and he bought a sandwich and he got on the bus. <laughs> um, you know, the thing that surprised me most is uh, probably how much I've enjoyed it. Because when you first brought... <laughs> no, no, I don't mean that. Though. <laughs> All oh, these stories sh- are okay. Okay. Rob Shit, wants fuck. me to be in this thing. Oh, God. I respect you, Rob, but... <laughs> you, don't like, you, don't, <laughs> you don't like my writing. <laughs> no, the deal is when you first brought this up, a year ago, I was kind of hesitant because I'm like, I don't know. I don't really listen to podcasts. I don't really listen to talking head nonsense. You know, like you see in sports, the commentators all the time. And after a while, I'm just like, I don't fucking care, dude. Okay. A player, blah, 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 did this. And I just, who cares? It, the talk talking head thing has never ap- appealed to me at all. Like never. It just like, to the point where it really just kind of makes me angry. Um, There's an alternate reality, Roger, listening to this podcast. I know, there probably is. Oh, my God. Shut the fuck up. But um, (laughs) I I think it's weird because since we've started doing this, I've actually started listening to a couple podcasts. Yeah. (laughs) I knew it. We got him, kids. We got him. And uh, this is one of them. And he's reading comics again. Yeah, I'm, I'm back to reading comics. So I listen to ours, obviously, and I laugh along with it. And it's just like, you know, it's it's a good way to kind of de-stress and whatnot. And I'm kind of bummed when, a, when an episode ends because, you know, we none of us are like serious about anything. We're all kind of irre- irreverent and, you know, and then it's, you know, everyone brings their own thing to the table. And Rowan says nothing for an hour and then all of a sudden she'll chip in with that's bullshit. <laughs> I just it punctuates everything. Like she doesn't say much, but when she does, you feel it. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I want to add here that uh, because we talk a lot of shit, and because this is a special episode, yeah, I suggested that we not. 
talk about negative stuff. We don't dog on anybody. <laughs> and and Roger said, yeah, but at some point during the, the that's episode. That's what we do. Yeah, yeah I know. Dude. I know. Shane, Roger goes, at some point during the episode, Rowan has to say that's bullshit. So I'm like, well, maybe we'll just start it off with, hey, everybody, this is Rob for House of X Book Club, and then rowing up with, that's, that's bullshit. bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So what, I, what I'm getting at is I've, I've learned how much I enjoy doing this. And uh, it's fun hanging out with you guys and, and Drew. And I uh, hope to Our, meet my, Drew. My, a, my AI boyfriend. My, my Your chat AI chatbot boyfriend. Chat boyfriend, yeah. I hope to meet Drew in person someday. Battery-powered boy. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't know. I just, I've, I've gained a new appreciation for uh, talking head nonsense. <laughs> oh, very good. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. And how about you, Rowan? What, what has surprised me the most? Yeah. How much you ask me about what it's like to be in this book club. <laughs> okay explain that it's constantly checking for consent <laughs> which could be revoked at any time <laughs> so so let's not forget drew's the only one that's forced to be here <laughs> right no i um i i just mean I just, I guess I'm, I'm just surprised by, because uh, I, I feel like, I think, I feel like we've all said, uh, I, I feel like we've all said how, how, how we, how we feel. And I know this is a retrospective, so I guess I shouldn't be surprised today, but, um, <laughs> but I guess I, I feel like I've answered the question already. Uh-huh. I, I asked the question because it's now been a year and there have been other things that have come up. So that could change. That answer could change. Next year you could be, uh, I feel, I'm surprised by the fact that... I'm still here. Yeah. You still have a chat stabbed <laughs> Shane in the neck with a pencil. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's an option? <laughs> Always on the table. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, no, I'm... I, I'm I'm surprised that I have the time. To I do. am too because <laughs> I to do a um, So I personally want to thank you because you do a lot of things. You're always busy, and most of that is because of me. Because I do a lot of things and I'm all, and I'm always busy. And if you want to spend any time with your husband, you kind of have to come along. Um, it's and, true. And so, for one, I. I I am very grateful that you're a part of this. So, um, you're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Um, all right. So, uh, Drew, what surprises you the most about the House of X Book Club? Well, I, right off the bat, I'm going to agree with Roger. And it's just like how much I'm actually enjoying this. Cause the same thing when you approached me about it, I was like, eh. I mean, I jumped, you got the audience could probably tell I jumped in like nine episodes in. Yeah. Like I just was reluctant to start just because I'm hesitant to start any new things. But it was one of those things like once I was in, I was in. So but and, and, I, and I'm grateful for that. But I think the thing that's surprising me the most about this book club is just how much I'm enjoying reading these books that I absolutely thought I would not connect with in any way whatsoever. Uh-huh. 
That's very cool. That's I would cool. second that because I, I've never really been a fan of the 60s comic book stuff. Uh-huh. I've never read Superman or really Batman from the 60s or you know any of that stuff. The Spider-Man, fantastic. It just never appealed to me at all. The art never grabbed me. The cheesy-seeming storytelling never grabbed me. Well, the DC comic books from the 60s were just recoculous. It was... <laughs> That was when well, there was Superman's girlfriend Lois Lane. Yeah, you've, and you've you've talked about that. And, yeah, but Marvel did things like that too. But you know, for me as a kid, growing up in the '70s and seeing DC and Spider-Man uh, cartoons on TV, that's how I got introduced to comics. Mm-hmm. Super Friends, man, on Saturday mornings was the bomb. Yeah, and uh, I had as a kid, I had Superman bed or uh, Super Friends bed sheets. Mm-hmm. You know, and I still it's remember. Awesome. Yeah, it was cool. I remember <laughs> the artwork and everything else, and the, you know, so that's how I got into it. So that's where I found interest, you know, and I, in the Denny O'Neill Batman stuff in the seventies. Wow, so I've good. mentioned that a couple times because that's the Batman I know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I've seen the Adam West TV show from the sixties, and I love that Batmobile. It's the classic Batmobile. There's no Bat, yeah, but Batman, Denny O'Neill's Batman was so serious. Oh yeah. yeah, he took it in a whole new direction, and that's so. I've never had an interest in that Golden Age and even the Silver Age comics. It just never, it never appealed to me. But now that we're to say, you know, to back up Drew, now that we're reading it, yeah, it's it's interesting to see where everything came from, and you know, see where where the groundwork was laid. And that's really what it is. I mean, these, you know, Jesus Christ. I mean, it, you look at Star Wars and what it went through. The first Star Wars m- movie almost didn't happen for a variety of reasons. And it only happened because of a shitload of people working on it to make it happen. You had, like, brilliant sound, Ben Burt sound, you know, engineering. You had, like, brilliant special effects guys building these models and and things that we've never seen before and george lucas's vision but he couldn't have done it all on his own his wife yeah he definitely needed someone to help to rewrite that script yeah because that first script was shit well he went through (laughs) he went through like four different scripts yeah and they well so they you saw did you ever read the dark horse comic because that they made from that it's that terrible. comic book made me not watch star wars for almost 10 years oh really it was so bad yeah yeah it was but then he had his wife edit it all together and make sense of it. Mm-hmm. And all the goofy dialogue that the actors didn't want to say all came together. And it all made sense because he had the vision and it took his army of people to make it happen. That's how the comic books are, too. Uh, like we said before, you know, the vision was there. The groundwork was laid. And various people have moved the ball a little bit farther here and there. Yeah. Both, both art-wise and story-wise and everything else. So, oh, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, so that was Drew's answer. Um, I think that was Roger's answer. That was <laughs> and, 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 and <laughs> yeah. It was both. Roger and I are on the same page. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was that was Drew's answer, but also Roger was backing him up. So yeah. you're saying it's how much you're enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. Unexpectedly so. You know, like I, 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 I I said I've said before, and I said it in this this episode already. Like I I'm I don't like Silver Age comics, generally speaking. Yeah. And, and and the fact that I am enjoying a lot of these comics is really the surprising part mm-hmm. to me. Very cool. 
Well, I'm glad you're here, man. Um, Shane, <laughs> what is it that surprises you most about being in the House of X Book Club? Um, I think don't, I think originally when I asked, Roger said it's all the women. <laughs> uh, it's all the it's my first my first surprise yeah. was the most recent one when Roger did his Rowan impression and he made her sound like Sam Neill and she didn't get up and didn't get up and knee him in the groin. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Fair. No, the last That's issue bullshit. of Uncanny uh, uh, of X Men X Men Fifty where the Conquistador was at the last <laughs> panel of the backup story uh, that that blew my mind. I was like, holy <laughs> shit! I did not know he was going to be here. Um, <laughs> the Conquistador. <laughs> that was great, you know, because yeah, because when we read the the um, grand design, I was like. Who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. And then, so like, yeah, to pinpoint it to one like specific like minutia moment was like when he showed up in the back of fifty. Yeah. I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think that I think that like, I mean, if you were looking at big picture, I'm I'm most amazed that we haven't had to miss a week yet. It's come out pretty consistently. Yeah. I've been pretty proud of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's been fun when we've been able to, the, the biggest surprise was like when we were able to pivot and we got, we did the review of the Stan Lee and yeah. you know, just that was a surprise. I, f- I feel like that, that was my biggest surprise. Cause I feel like I learned so much. Um, and then on a personal level, I, the biggest surprise for me was this book club has changed the way I look at the art and the comic books. Yeah. Um, and I've mentioned it a couple of times, but how the inker and the penciler work together, it um, has really changed my view on that because I was with Roger. I was like, man, this art is balls yeah. in, in the first few issues. But yeah. then like, you know, I talked to my, you know, I talked to my next door neighbor um, and he's an artist and he is the biggest Jack Kirby fan that I have ever met in my entire life. And he's got some of those, um, oversized like artists visions of Mm -hmm. things like the fantastic four and where Jack Kirby was doing his pencils and doing his own inks. And it's these blown up versions and you can see the, the, the detail in the lines. And it's like, this is absolutely beautiful. And it's, it's all, you know, him, you know, him pouring his heart and soul into this art and seeing the difference in that between what we saw in X-Men number one versus say fantastic four number 12, where it was Kirby doing pencils and inks and seeing how his vision came across more clearly and it looked so much better. And it just, and he had time to develop it. Right. He wasn't on a damn schedule. It was, yeah, there were fewer books coming out. He wasn't having to produce 14 a day. Yeah. Um, and it just, the, and then plus the fact that he was able to crank out so many books you know, regardless of the quality that he was able to put out so many books. And, you know, like I said, just finding out, you know, seeing that interplay and finding, you know, seeing what a difference it can make to the art. Um, that That's my biggest surprise. I, I didn't know that before. And I've never claimed to be like the biggest art guy. It was always the story. Yeah. So that that's yep. a, that was the biggest surprise for me was finding out how that interplay worked and how it's a delicate dance. And it and then when the when the right two partners come together, it can be so beautiful and so perfect. Nice, nice. Well, that's cool. That's great. Um, I'm going to tell you my biggest surprise. Um, first of all, I am grateful that 
the four of you have gone along. Um, it's been it, rough. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, but I, I... So I've got a couple answers here. I mean, I think the biggest surprise is how much we've bad-mouthed the franchise that we love the most. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, to be honest, to go back to my answer yet again, yeah, we have bagged on so much and tonight we're praising so much yeah that surprised me yeah 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 you know yeah sure sure i mean the the ones that we have bagged on the most we have already said we yeah. love them the most yeah. well <laughs> and, here's the thing is like if if you can't point out the flaws in something you love i mean yeah. where 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 is that love coming from uh, i'm not i'm not interested in your blind devotion to anything right yeah, exactly right. i am interested in you saying yeah i really i really love this but they that's got four pimples on his ass yeah. you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so i i really am surprised about that sort of thing that um that we have kind of smack talked Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and I guess in some cases even Don Heck or Warner Roth, you know, issue by issue, right? Yeah. Um but but the truth of it is is that we love these guys. We love their stories. We love um what they've contributed, you know, to the greater universe. Yeah. And and it's why we still love the franchise. Um I think my other big surprise is the fact that we're actually doing this, that we're still doing it a year later. Um, also that, you know, Drew has joined us, that Drew is, you know, yeah, nine issues, nine episodes in, but, but, you know, I've, I think that when I put this thing together, um, it was kind of easy to ask you guys because we were already doing the role playing game or were we yet? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We were yeah, already we're... doing the role playing game, mm -hmm. which I ended up bringing Drew into as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then, and then, kind of the fact that we're we're still doing it and still enjoying it, also that we have found time to get together personally. Like we are right now sitting in this hotel room um, doing this. We did it in Mendocino at the Gallery Bookshop. You know, we. Uh, after all these years, we're all friends. Now, Drew, I will say that I haven't known Drew as long, obviously, but he is, in my mind, one of my, one of my favorite people. And, and so, to me, it was kind of obvious that Drew would be a part of this because I, I find him to be pretty awesome and a stand-up guy and, and, you know, a good friend. So, uh, um, we'll shit-talk him when we're not recording. But, oh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, yeah. My, my biggest surprise is Rob thinks I'm a good guy. <laughs> uh, I, I know things about you, Drew. Um, but yeah, so, you know, and, and you you guys, Shane and Roger, we've been friends for a shit ton of years, man. Yeah. Yes. And, and here we are now. What was Do it, 88, 89, somewhere in there? Well, I mean, that's, yeah, that's you, and I, you and I became friends, I think, our sophomore year. Maybe our freshman year. That was sophomore. sophomore I'm pretty year. sure it was sophomore. Yeah. yeah. So. And that was that was the same year I moved to town. Was yeah, you yeah. guys' sophomore year? So okay. yeah, eighty eight. Yeah. Right, because uh, you guys graduated in ninety, right? Nope, we graduated eighty nine. Eighty nine. Okay. Yeah, it would have been eighty seven. Yeah. So we're um, old. 
so anyway, you know, and and Rowan has been, you know, totally. kind of connected to my comic book experience since the nineties. Um, that was yeah, the pretty early nineties, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd I'd say ninety four. We met in ninety four. Um so it just you three were pretty obvious to me as a choice. And then of course once I met Drew, also an obvious choice. He, of course, made it sound like I tied him up at the grocery store, threw him in my trunk, and then pulled him into a studio. But oh, uh, that, that literally happened. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up or no dinner for you. No, um, <laughs> yeah, but you're still here, man. Yeah. So at any rate. Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> so the, the, that's the, the biggest surprise for me, really. And, and uh, I don't know. It's been a blast. So... Uh, any last thoughts or last comments or anything y'all want to add before yeah, we wrap? If, if anybody knows Ed Pisker or you're listening yourself, Ed, uh, we'd love to have you on the show. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We'll take any guess. We would love to hear some some so, other opinions. So that does yeah. that does tell me uh, that does uh, kind of lead me into uh, you know basically this is our season <laughs> our season right our season break yeah. Um, that with our second season, there are some guests lined up, or at least working on being lined up, cool. of other comic book art, uh, authors, uh, as well as novelists and uh, etc. So porn stars. Um, what? Yeah, I I know. I would th- like to get the porn industry's take on X Men number yeah, seventy. I know a couple. I know a couple of those. I guess we could bring them in. And oh, <laughs> that's but, one of the things I always tell people, like. Roger will remember this when we went to. They're like, you know, talk about. Oh, I want to go to San Diego Comic Con. I'm like, it's way different now. They're like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, when we went, you could buy, you could still buy bootleg movies. Yeah. Remember, because remember, Roger bought that bootleg of the Punisher, and you could hear somebody in the background had a boombox blasting the Batman. Soundtrack. It was the Batman soundtrack, exactly. <laughs> and uh, and the back wall was all porn stars selling hologram cards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Well, r- more recently, Rowan and I have been to conventions where, um, you know, we've hung out and talked with Suicide Girls. Okay, um, yeah. <laughs> so, but it's not really recent anymore. Yeah, not so much. It's more <laughs> yeah, the, recent than that. Was, that was the 90s. <laughs> yeah, right. More recent than that. But, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we were open up to having guests pop in and, and join us. Um, totally. But it, there's also a couple of podcast hosts that showed an interest in, you know, stepping on and, and maybe... There, there guess... are multiple good X-Men related podcasts. Oh, no, there's a shit ton of good X-Men co- I, po- podcasts right now. I Every now and then I catch him on a bit on YouTube, but Comics Explained. Comics Explained, Rob. I would love is, to have him on the show. He's really good, yeah. He's really good. I really like the ex-wife podcast. Ex-wife podcast is fantastic. An excellent podcast. Um, also, uh, see, I always I have like a bunch of I have a bunch of friends I'd love to have on. It's, um, I have my friend uh, Jamil, um, right uh, is the lead for National Press Comics out of Oakland. Ooh, mm-hmm. Nice. Um, nice. You know, and it's all um, you know. <laughs> Just a bunch of really cool people, but I would really like to talk to him. Um, the, um, I know Aton, who owns Cape and Cal Comics, which is the Eisner Award-winning comic book store in Oakland, California. Sweet. And my friends um, Sam and Anthony both um, 
own wrestling companies in the Bay Area, and they uh, they have secret storylines that I don't think anyone has noticed, but they've been based on comic book storylines. Oh, really? So it'd be really cool to have them on. So, yeah. and of course, like I said, my neighbor um, Matt Ritchie, whom is a huge Jack Kirby fan. I think I could probably get three episodes out of him just on Jack Kirby alone. <laughs> oh, I don't know that we could handle an episode, uh, three episodes on Jack Kirby. <laughs> <laughs> At least one. Yeah. Well, I would. I would. I, 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 that's the thing that fascinates that that I am most interested. In. I want to hear someone that has nothing but an unabashed and just like just complete love for Jack Kirby, whom like can maybe fill in some of those blanks that we have. There are a lot of those out there. Yeah. There are a lot of those out there. Well, you know, if we if we had them on, we could nitpick up certain issues. We could say, "What do you think was going on when in this?" Yeah, and I, I, I yeah, and that's he knows that yeah. much. Yeah, absolutely. I okay. would love to do that. I would love to have him on. I'm, I'm trying to work something out because he's working on a book right now. So he's working okay. on a comic book. So, but yeah, he's done stuff for um, Wizards of the Coast. He's done um, special covers for Image. Um, yeah, so he's yeah, just amazing stuff. Cool. Great. Yeah. Well, like I said, I, I've also got a stack of people, authors and, and artists and podcast hosts that um, have shown an interest in kind of joining us for an episode. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, so you can expect that in the second season. Yeah. Well, you know, make sure if you've got it, you know, write us House of X Book Club at yeah. gmail.com. Also, you, uh, also catch us out on catch us up on, on what? Inst- we're on Instagram and Facebook. Yep. Uh, it's House of X underscore book club, right? For right. Instagram? That's right. All Drew, right. you were House of X book club for Facebook. Yep. Thank you. All right. Uh, okay. Well, I think that's it, you guys. I want to thank you all for being here, for listening to us. Um, and I'm looking at the clock. This is clearly going to be a two-part episode. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, <laughs> so we'll catch you for part two. <laughs> Excuse me. This is probably part two right yeah. now. We're um, going to have to go back and do a little drop-in to yeah. put the end of part one. That's right. All right, everybody. Well, this has been the House of X Book Club uh, anniversary a- annual number one, right? Yeah. That's right. All right. We'll see you. Good night. Go to your local bye, comic buddy. store. Yes. Buy, buy the actual books.